0: Welcome to the Crystal Sparks podcast. We are so glad you are here. Our one goal of this podcast is to grow your faith and help equip you to accomplish your dreams and your goals. Now here is Crystal Sparks. So today we're going to be talking about our spiritual capacity and I have been in a study in 2 Corinthians and 2 Timothy and um, these letters Paul is writing and and actually the undertone of it is so different when you contrast it to 1 Timothy and 1 Corinthians. You know, 1 Timothy and 1 Corinthians were both written in a time where the church was just exploding. Um, God was expanding them, things were growing and uh, God was just doing amazing things and now here they are. They find themselves in a place Where the church is being persecuted Um, Nero is now in power And Christians are being martyred left and right And people are leaving the church In fact by the droves And here they are They find themselves in a precarious situation Because before they had this Tangible momentum and now they're in a season Where it seems like the church is in decline And so Paul's words are so Different in 2 Corinthians and 2 Timothy He's encouraging them To keep the faith He's letting them know that hey with every God open door is going to come some persecution, but you have to stay the course. And with that, I just want to, I've been in this pursuit of God just really speaking to me about my capacity and capacity is this, our spiritual and emotional margin for growth, our spiritual and emotional margin for growth. And I believe that God wants to see all of us grow in our capacity. And, and I think whenever you read the words of Jesus in Luke 5 37, he says that we don't put new wine into old wine skins. No, we put new wine into new wine skins. And I think a lot of times we're asking God to do a new thing, but we're trying to do it the old way in the old thinking. And for us to be able to increase our capacity, we have to begin to always let God to continuously renew us. And so I want to talk about some things and and break down what I believe is the main themes that we're going to find in 2 Corinthians and I think it's going to encourage you. And the first thing I want to point out to you is my spirit is my responsibility. My spirit is my responsibility in first corinthians uh one or sorry second corinthians one three and four it says blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ the father of sympathy pity and mercy In the God who is the source of every comfort, consolation, encouragement, who comforts, consoles, and encourages us in every trouble, calamity, and affliction, so that we may also be able to comfort, console, and encourage those who are in any kind of trouble or distress with the comfort, consolation, and encouragement with which we ourselves are comforted, consoled, and encouraged by God. You know, what I want you to get here is that Paul's letting them know that their spirit is their responsibility, that there comes a point in life and time that we can't wait for everybody else to encourage us. We can't wait for everybody else to be there for us. At a certain point, we have to decide, God, I trust you and I'm going to have a personal pursuit all on my own. In 2 Corinthians 7, 1, he tells them, therefore, since these great pro- promises are ours, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates and defiles body and spirit and bring our consecration to completeness in the reverential fear of God. You know, Paul's letting them know they that at a certain point we have spiritual responsibility in this journey of faith. We can't wait for everybody else to cleanse us. We can't wait for everybody else to comfort, comfort us. And in both those scriptures there, in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, and 7, 1, he's letting us know that you can't give what you don't have. And I think so many times that um, we believe that this is a spiritual battle, of battle that we're in. In fact, Paul tells us in another scripture that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And I think that's something that we really believe But the sad part is, that if we really believe that then we would never neglect our time in the word if we really believe that we are fighting a spiritual battle we would not neglect time in God's presence time in God's house why? because you cannot put new wine into old wine skins we have to let God continuously grow us, increase our capacity. Joshua um, was an amazing story in the Bible and it tells us that he went in and they took the land they took the promised land and so see at the end of Joshua, they had all kinds of great victories, all kinds of great, um, like just conquests for the Lord. Right. But the sad part is the Bible tells us at the end of it, they were spiritually lean. They did not know God and they were a wicked generation. See, I think if we're not careful, we get so busy in the pursuit of everything else that we forget the one thing that we were called to do is to make sure that our souls were nourished and that we were fed in the word of God. And what's so sad is the generation that came after Joshua, although Joshua had everything that looked like success, they had to pay the price of their spiritual neglect. And here's the thing is I think if we're not careful as leaders, as people, we'll be so busy trying to build the business, trying to increase our influence, try to do all the outward things. And we neglect our souls. And so we have really great prosperous lives on the outside, but insides our souls are lean. And what's sad is the next generation will pay the price of our neglect. The next thing I want to tell you is that your heart is your responsibility. Your heart is your responsibility. In 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11, Paul writes to them, if you forgive anyone, anything, I too forgive that one. And what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sakes, in the presence and with the approval of Christ the Messiah, to keep Satan from getting the advantage over us. For we are not ignorant of his wiles and intentions. See, Paul is writing here because um in first corinthians there was a man who was sleeping with his mother and hopefully it was his mother-in-law but it was a lot of weird stuff happening right and he's letting them know again in second corinthians guys you have to forgive and let it go and I think if we're not careful, that we are still hurting over the people who have left us or have failed us. And the sad thing is, is when all I think about is the people who've left and the people who've disappointed me, then I'm leaving. I'm living my entire life with the ghost of their presence. Because everywhere I go, I have them in the back of my mind and I'm making decisions through the filters of past pain, past rejections. And see, what happens is if we're not careful, and Paul's letting them know here, that if we're we're not careful we're letting the devil have an advantage over us not because God's not stronger but because we are making decisions through the filter of our past disappointments and so in that we begin to project past hurt onto other people and we see them and we're like oh I know where this is going to go I know how I'm going to get hurt here oh I've seen this talk before and what happens is we begin to misjudge people but we're judging them by the pain of our past and I think if we're we just need to be real honest here and just begin to say, my heart is my responsibility. And God, I thank you that whatever I've been through that, Lord, I just thank you that you're cleansing my heart of all those things. Cause Paul's letting them know here, guys, you are hanging on to all the people who have left. And I know I talk about this so many times, but I think this trips up people so much. They are holding on to past hurts. They're holding on to past rejections and they're not able to move forward in all that God has. Think about Joshua again, Joshua, when he was there in Joshua chapter, 1. The Lord shows up to him and says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now arise. In other words, what he's letting him know, Joshua, you're not going to be able to move forward into all the good things that I have for you until you let go of what didn't work out. Joshua's whole life, he idolized Moses. He looked up to Moses. He thought that he would go into the promised land with Moses, and now everything has shifted and everything's changed, and what's sad is if we are holding on to the people who aren't there, then we miss all the people who are already around us. Think about David. Here he was mourning over Absalom, and one of his... Um, attendants came to him and said, King David, it is not right for you to be sad over the one who's left when you have all these people around you who are for you. And I think that's what we spend so much of our life doing. We're thinking about everybody who's not there anymore, that we miss all the good people that are right around us. The next thing I want to tell you is my friends are my responsibility. My friends are my responsibility. In 2 Corinthians 12, um, 2, 12 and 13, it says this, now now when I arrived at Troas to preach the good news of the gospel of Christ, a door of opportunity was opened for me in the Lord. Yet my spirit could not rest, relax, and get relief because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave from them. And departed to Macedonia. You know, I believe that God um, wants us to go into all the places that he has for us. But here's the thing, is that you can go to the right place, but not have the right people, and that's the wrong place. And Paul knew that he couldn't go in and do all that God's called him to do unless he was surrounding himself with the right people. People And the same is true for you. I think so many times as people, we are the most isolated society that's ever walked the face of the earth. We have a um, type of connection through social media, but yet depression and loneliness are higher than they've ever been. Why? Because we don't have close intimate friends. Paul knew that his capacity would only be as big as the connections he had in his life. And I believe that we should have three different types of friends. There's number one, there's the cheerleader. And that's the person who believes in you. Now think about at a football game. You have the cheerleaders that are cheering, right? They're on the sidelines, they're cheering, they're doing their chants. Now it doesn't matter if the score is 60 to 0 and their team's the 0, right? They're still going to cheer to the very last second. And I believe that in all of our lives, we have to be people who believe in us. We have to have people who love us that are going to cheer for us even when the score is 60 to 0. They're going to be on our side. They believe in us no matter what. The second type of friend I think we need is the pusher. This is the person who's constantly challenging you to be all that you can be. This is the person that's reminding you of your goals, reminding you of what you believe for, reminding you of what you prayed for. They're the type of people that aren't going to let you settle in a place of where you're comfortable but they're going to push you to your full destiny the third type of person i think we need is the loyal confidant the loyal confidant this is the person that's going to be on your side no matter what thick and thin. They are going to be there in the trenches with you. They're not going to leave you. They're the type of person that you could tell them every single failure, every single mistake, and they would still love you no matter what. See, I love that Paul knew the importance of the right relationships. And he made sure to make time for friends. And I want to challenge you to make sure that you're making time for the people that really matter. Make sure that you're making time to get those close intimate friendships in your life. The next thing I want to tell you is that my My confidence is my responsibility. My confidence is my responsibility. In 2 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13, this is so good. 2 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13, it says this. It says, not that we have the audacity to venture to class or even to compare ourselves with some who exalt and furnish testimonials for themselves. However, when they measure themselves with themselves and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding and behave unwisely. We, on the other hand, will not boast beyond our legitimate province and proper limit, but we will keep within the limits of our commission which God has allotted for us as our measuring line and which reaches and includes even you see what I love here is that he's letting us know guys don't get into the comparison game don't do it. Comparison is either going to make you feel like you're doing better or you're doing worse. One results in pride and one results in shame. One will make you feel like you're bigger than everybody else. And one will make you feel like you're lower than anybody else and make you want to quit. See, comparison never has a good result ever. And so I think comparison does these three things in our life. Number one, it stops us from really enjoying God. It stops us from really enjoying God because we're frustrated that God didn't give us what they have. We're frustrated that we don't have what other people have. We're frustrated, we're irritated, and and it keeps us from enjoying God. The second thing is it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. See, whenever we begin to compare ourselves, we're leading out of a place of insecurity, and we begin that which we fear comes upon us. And so we find ourselves in this place where in thinking that we're the weakest, we become the weakest. And comparing ourselves and feeling like we're inadequate, we keep living out our inadequacies. The third thing is, is we view everything as a competition. All of a sudden now, everybody's our opponent. All of a sudden now, the closest friendships, we're now secretly hoping that they fail. And the sad thing in that is we begin to push people away. So I want you to look at my confidence is my responsibility and my spirit is my responsibility. And they are like the bookends of our life and they're keeping everything else together. And when we begin, begin to be fully confident in who God's created us to be and we begin to take ownership for our spiritual condition then all of a sudden our heart remains pure and our friendships begin to flourish and God begins to do amazing things Thank you so much for listening to today's content. If you would like to further connect with Crystal, text the keyword Crystal to 33733 and follow the prompts. We are so thankful you are a part of our community. Let's do something awesome for God this week.